Welcome to the Hive. This is Brian Wright. I am your host, and here we go on episode one of the Hive, a journey into the collective thought process of myself, the members of my gym community, and the different people we associate with in the world. So, episode one. I'm sitting here by myself. I don't have my co-host with me just yet. Uh, That's going to be coming up next. But I figured, let me go into a little bit of how I ended up here today with Killer Bee Combat Sports and how that in 2018, it will be 20 years of teaching in my own facility. I will have my 20-year anniversary being a professional martial arts and fitness instructor, 20 years of running my own fight team, 20 years of living this crazy life. How the hell did I get here? So I don't know if you know me or not, but my name is Brian Wright, and I am the owner, creator, chief cook and bottle washer at Killer Bee Combat Sports and Fitness Academy in Oakhurst, New Jersey. So 20 years ago, I left my instructor at the Atlantic Karate Academy in Long Branch, New Jersey, and I set out on my own because I just felt like it was time. So 20 years ago, I was I was like 24 years old. Yeah, I was 24 years old. And I just was in a position where I felt like I needed to express myself. Following somebody else was just not enough for me at that point. I needed, I had ideas that I had to express and it was getting in the way of what somebody else was trying to do. And that's a lesson in itself, something that we could talk about later. So... I left and I opened up my first school, which was Eastern Sun Academy of Martial Arts. I taught karate and judo. So I really was a mixed martial arts school from the start. I was teaching stand-up and I was teaching groundwork. Besides karate, I was also teaching kickboxing. And that was one of the main reasons that I had to leave the school, which I, you know, was basically raised in because I had a kickboxing career that I really wanted to pursue more hardcore and I was into full contact karate and different things and so that's why I had to leave and that's why in 1998 Eastern Sun became what it was and it was a location behind a location on the second floor of a building that was hard to find (laughs) And uh, I, I signed on the dotted line. I took out a loan from my local bank. I paid that down payment, invested in some mats, started advertising the way we advertised in 1998, which was the yellow pages, flyers, standing out in front of food stores, handing out pieces of paper. And uh, just word of mouth and just constantly hustling and grinding, letting the world know that you exist. And I took a school from zero And I developed it up to a really high level over time. And Eastern Sun then evolved into what became real martial arts and fitness. Now, the reason that occurred was because along my journey, I became a member of Sato Kaikan out of Osaka, Japan. Sato Kaikan is a full contact karate style that also created K1 kickboxing. Ishii Kancho, or Mr. Ishii, the president of Sato Kaikan, he created K1, which was the premier kickboxing organization of its time. It was the largest combat sport in the world back in the day. So if you were 
if you're looking to make money fighting, you wanted to be a heavyweight kickboxer in K1 because that's where the money was. That's where the fans were. And this is going back like this is 96, 97, I believe, is when it really started to get popular. And then up into the early 2000s, it, it was doing its thing. Um, those of you that follow MMA now, uh, Alistair Overeem is a K1 champ. Mirko Kokrop was a K1 champ. Mark Hunt was a K1 champ. So K1 has a legacy of heavyweights that, you know, we're still seeing these guys successful today in MMA. So I basically, I get recruited by the U.S. rep for Sato Kaikon. I joined Sato Kaikon. I was a member for a little while. I went over to Japan. Their style was, their their catchphrase was practical karate. So for me, when I was moving from Eastern Sun Academy, which is this like hole in the wall, 1800 square foot facility, I moved into a big warehouse facility, which was one of the first warehouse facilities in the United States that was strictly devoted to MMA and kickboxing. Um, there was extreme couture, but that was pretty much it at the time. So like 2000, 2001, I opened up Real Martial Arts and Fitness. And again, I went with Real because the practical name was Sato kind of stuck with me. And I didn't feel like practical martial arts really fit the bill for what I was trying to do. So I went with the name Real because I felt like we were doing really grounded, practical, realistic style training. And so Real became the theme of what we did. And that's when we opened up Real Martial Arts. And that stayed as our name from like 2001 all the way up until a couple of years ago when I opened up Killer B Combat Sports. There's a lot of stuff in between. Um, I left Sato Kaikon, did my own thing for a long time, you know, really rode the wave with my real martial arts, real mixed martial arts. But then um, got married, my wife gets pregnant. And my son was kicking her constantly. And we were going to name him Brian anyway. So he became Little B, and I'm Big B, obviously. And uh, I was, I had a gym in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And I wanted to get out of Asbury because there were some troubles in the town. And we found a spot in Oakhurst. And we're moving cross town basically. And I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking, and I'm like, shit, I'm like 15 years in. My gym has been real for a very long time, you know, and over the years, good, better, and different. You have a lot of associations with the name. And I just felt like, you know what, you don't get a lot of opportunities to really rebrand, to like completely redo the idea of what it is that you do. And I was thinking legacy, and I'm thinking, what could I do here that's going to that's gonna be able to have some time? And it goes back to my son kicking the hell out of my wife. And we started calling him Killer B. And then the yellow and black is a color combination I like. And then I started playing around with a logo. And I came up with this Killer B logo with this B with boxing gloves on and black and yellow. And Killer B just made sense to me and I said you know what I'm going to rebrand the the gym as Killer B Combat Sports Academy and that's what we did so a couple years ago we moved from Asbury to Oakhurst and Real became Killer B and the rest is history so 
Killer B Combat Sports is not me. I am not Killer B. I did not name the gym after myself. Uh, I kind of have a weird thing about that. I don't feel like you should name a gym after yourself unless you're like uber famous, if you're like Hoist Gracie or something like that. But for me, I don't feel like my name is enough to need to be on the on the marquee there. I feel like a gym is a community of people, and I want to focus on the community. So Killer B, I named it after my son. Again, the legacy aspect of it. I wanted my, my son to have the opportunity one day to maybe take the facility over. I'm thinking very long term there because my son's only four right now, and he doesn't even train. I don't even know if he's gonna, and I don't really care if he does. It's up to him. I'm not going to force him to do anything. But, uh, yeah, so Killer B, good colors, cool logo, rebranded, did our thing, and, yeah, here we go. So Killer B's origin is right there. I named it after my son, who is kicking the hell out of my poor pregnant wife, and that's how it evolved, and it's just been a cool ride. I think it's been the most successful period of my professional martial arts career. Um, all the mistakes I made when I was younger, I feel like I was put in a position where I learned from them. I woke up and I just kind of saw the light on things. And Killer B was an opportunity not just to rebrand in terms of colors and imagery, but it was the opportunity for me to do it the way I felt I should have been doing it all along, but was not experienced enough to understand. So Killer B is really an evolution in the process of me as a business person, as an instructor, as just a human being. So when I look at Killer B and what does it mean to me and what am I trying to do with it, it's that. It's the opportunity for me to do this right. And as an instructor, doing it right is giving as much of myself as possible to the community of people that I've got to help them maximize themselves, find success, smash goals, all that kind of stuff. And that's really what we're about. This isn't about creating a community of people to make me feel good about myself. This is me putting my skills out there to be a tool for people to find their way and to find their success. And that's really the evolution for me from being a young man to being a more mature human being as an instructor is understanding that as an instructor, it's my job to make people better, not just to make a name, just to make money off my name, but make a living in helping people, not just myself. And I think being a former athlete, fighter, competitive person, you know, you have to be selfish to be a fighter. That's for damn sure. Uh, you have to think about yourself because you you're a one man you know franchise. You're a human. You're a human franchise. You you need people to help you get to where you have to go. But at the end of the day, when it comes to fighting, it's going to be you and another human being in a ring or a cage fighting to make your living. And you have to be selfish because you have to take care of yourself. You have to maximize yourself so you don't get hurt. So you minimize the damage. So you maximize your outcomes. So you make as much money as possible because you're going to have a limited shelf life as an athlete. So the attitude on that, it's, it's a little bit more of a me, me, me situation. Whereas a coach, it's got to be you, you, you. So playing a dual role, being an athlete for 20 years and being a coach for 20 years, I was stuck in this dual position where I had to really focus on myself. I had to do what worked for me, but I also had a community of people that I had to do things for. 
So I made a lot of mistakes along the way. I did a lot of things that were just good for me. I didn't understand the value of mutually beneficial trades. I was not creating situations where I was giving more than I was taking for sure. And when I got fighting out of my head, which basically at 40 years old, I had to step in the ring one more time and take an ass whooping by a much younger human being who was training a lot more than I was. But uh, I stepped in, I got my ass kicked, I got rid of the idea of fighting. I relieved myself of that weight and I fully invested myself in being an instructor and fully invested in understanding what it takes to create a successful business, to create successful relationships, to create benefit for people. And that's really been the journey. I'm 43, I'll be 44 in 2018. So the evolution for me, you could say I'm kind of new to understanding it. It's only been about three or four years that I really evolved my thought to really grasp that my value is what I can give my community. It's my value is not how much I've taken from my community, how much I've personally accumulated. My value is what can I give the people that choose to work with me, period. It's how can I help you be successful? That's my success. So it's interesting. I sit back and I look at all the time and I, I see the things I've done right. I've seen the things I've done wrong. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and and be too regretful about the past because I'm really happy with where I am today. And today is an accumulation of all the yesterdays. You know, I, I, I walk the walk to get here and I'm happy where I am. And I really like my life and I like the people I work with. And I'm really happy with the successes that we're achieving. So, you know, whatever was done, it was things I learned from, things I advanced myself with, which then in turn has put me in the position where I can help other people benefit. And there are people along the way that, you know, they don't get the same, they didn't get the same benefit that people working with me today get. And that's something I, I think about quite often. There's a lot of athletes that I worked with that it's not that I wish I did things differently. It's just that I really do understand that I didn't know this business enough to maximize them to the same levels that I'm getting from people now. Like, I mean, I just got back from the UFC with Carl Roberson. Carl Roberson, you know, came to me with a little bit of boxing and a lot of street fighting, but I basically took this guy from nothing. And in six years, we created a undefeated UFC fighter. And that was something I was always working to get to that level. But there's no, you know, we can't, we can't act like there's, there's like a, a you know, that the opportunity was there before because the reality of it was being stuck in that dual dual mindset where I had, you know, I was selfish on one hand and then I was kind of giving on the other, but I really wasn't giving enough. Of course I didn't get to the levels that I wanted to. Sure. I've had a lot of people fight for me. I've had a lot of people with me in the corner and we've won a lot of fights and we won some really good titles, but we were always missing that next level or at least in my mind, there was a level that I wanted to get to that I just wasn't fully grasping or achieving yet. But, but then when I shift and, I, and I'm fully investing myself and I'm only thinking about, you know, how can we get you to where you want to go? Then in a short amount of time, sure enough, I have a really solid athlete. I think I've got my head right. Training's evolved. And now we've got a guy that, you know, he's fighting in the UFC. 
who his main gym has been Killer B from day one. There's not a lot of instructors that go to the UFC that have guys that started with them and then ended up there. You know, fighting is a is a weird sport. Guys hop gyms a lot. At some point, guys start to question where they come from. They start to see what other people have and they say they want it. And they leave their initial instructor. Most most guys start with one guy and then they go to the big show with somebody else. But for me and Carl, you know, we've we're we're fortunate that there's a, a loyalty with both of us that we both earned and he came at the right time in my life and I've done the right things. And, you know, that's why we're doing the things that we're doing. And there's other guys I'm working with that, uh, you know, I'm not forgetting you. Um, but there are other guys that I work with that have a lot of opportunity now. And again, I truly believe that the opportunities that I have personally and the athletes that fight for me have is completely due to the fact that I changed my my mindset from me, me, me to you, you, you. And again, you know, I think I was going down the road of there are people that know me as the me, me, me guy that are probably listening to this. Or if they do listen to this, they're going to say that dickhead didn't give me enough or whatever. And again, I, I don't want to say wish, but sure. Um, I wish there were certain people that I've trained over the years that we could do it now, but we can't because you can't go back. You can only go forward. And I hope they appreciate that we evolved together and that the experience that I had with everybody over the last 20 years, they are all the foundation for whatever success I find. It's all because of their effort. It's all because of the time we spent together trying to do this thing, trying to build this. We all got experience. And it's a really hard, this is a hard business. You know, we're in the business of hurting people. That's just the reality of it. You know, you've got to hurt people to win. That's what we do. I mean, it's not a malicious thing. It's just our business. And there are a lot of guys that, you know, they broke their bodies to help me, you know, carry our flag. And they advanced our cause. And they never made the money that the guys make today. But I do feel that 99% of the guys that I worked with over the years are in good situations today because of the spirit and the effort and the things we learned together along that path. And that's the cool part of this because you could come into this wanting to be a UFC champ and you may walk out of this. I don't know. You could be a freaking postal worker, but you're going to be a better postal worker than you would have been if you didn't come in contact with this sport because this sport has a way of breaking you down and then rebuilding you and giving you the ability to have endurance that the average person doesn't have. A cool story I've got actually is um, Jay Teitelbaum. Jay Teitelbaum was my original Carl, let's say. Jay was the, the original hammer of my career. Jay was, you know, um, unfortunately, Jay is not that tall, which was a problem for him as a kickboxer because at 145 pounds, he fought as low as that. He would come across guys that were above six feet tall, and Jay's like 5'5". Five, five. And reach really does matter in combat sports, and it's really hard. But Jay won a lot of fights, and Jay did a lot of really amazing things. And his career ended super early. Um, Jay was like 39-9 and nine with 19 finishes, like crazy record. And he retired by the age of 21, I mean, Jay started fighting full contact at 16 years old and then ended his career early for whatever reasons. And again, a lot of it's because I fucked up and he just, it, the sport was just not 
what he wanted at the time. Um, but now, many years later, I think Jay's like 31 now. He just got invited to the world's strongest man to be a competitor. And we were talking about it because we still stay in, keep in touch. Uh, we were talking about it and he said that, you know, lifting all that weight and doing all these things, the the training that we did, the full contact fighting that we did really gives him the mindset that he needs to be successful in what he's doing now. And that's really awesome. And I love to see that crossover. And I have a dozen other stories. I have people in all different walks of life that they look back at the time that we spent on the mat smashing each other. And it makes the challenges of their everyday that much easier to handle. And that's really what it's all about. That's why I got involved in this. I didn't get involved in this because I really wanted to be famous. I just wanted to be known as somebody that did something great. You know, that greatness in the beginning was I wanted to be some kind of whatever champ, whatever. And then I realized over time that I just didn't have the ability to do that, but I had the ability to train people to flirt with that. And now we're actually achieving some amazing things. But along the way, I've created people that have a drive. They have an endurance. They have an ability to overcome unlike the majority of people that we run into in the world. And it's allowed them to be better parents, be really good at the jobs they do, to have the strength to go after dreams, follow through on ideas, be good at other sports, but just basically having an ability to take on challenges every day. I'm, I'm, uh, my wife's pregnant right now. We have our second child coming and it's really funny when my my son was born before he's four now um, when my son was born i was working a full-time job i'm teaching a massive amount of hours in the gym uh, it, m- my life was was uh complicated i'm not gonna say difficult a lot of people have a lot harder situations than i do but uh it was just time management was an issue sleep was an issue and you know um because of the training, you know, two o'clock in the morning, having to get up for a screaming baby was not that bad. It's funny, you know, you sit there and it's like, you got to get up, you got to go to work with only two hours of sleep or no sleep at all. And it's not that bad because you think about the things you've achieved. You think about how hard you've gone, how far you've pushed. And then you go and you do, you know, what I call like civilian tasks. And it's not that bad. So you've been up for 24 hours tough shit. You deal with it. So your kid's crying, tough shit. You deal with it. You just go because that's what we train to do. You know, that's what, that's, that's what fighters do. You fight through adversity. You overcome, you know, you, you, you get through and that's what it's all about. So my evolution of my process, my evolution to get to the killer bee, to sit here doing this hive podcast, it's, it's basically you know, at this point, with the amount of technology that we have available, with the uh, the experience that I have accumulated now, when you're younger, you have a lot of ideas, but in time, you get the experience to really understand the value of your ideas, to find out which ideas are, are real, which ones are just ideas that sound good on paper, but, you know, they don't really work out. Um, I'm at a point now where I feel like I've been able to take enough steps to where I understand more deeply what it is that I do and the benefit that it can have. And 
I see a lot of similarities between what I do in the gym, what I do at home, what I do in my other jobs, in the other companies I run. I see what other people are doing in their companies and their lives, and I'm seeing a lot of similarities and a lot of crossovers, and success is just success. I'm finding that the formula that a fighter has for success is the same one as a businessman, as a good parent, as whatever. And those are the kind of things I want to dive you know, into, plus talk about you know, the current state of affairs of things. Um, basically share with the community, uh, you know, the collective of what we do. And that's why we called it the hive because, you know, a hive basically is a center of a community and it has a ton of compartments for people to coexist and, or in, you know, a beehive, all the bees coexist. So for us, it's about ideas where you've created a spot where ideas can exist. They can be talked about, they can be saved, they can be shared. And hopefully we can, you know, uh, help each other understand what it is we do a little bit more deeply, appreciate the things that we do, celebrate the successes, get to understand the failures, and create a solid foundation with those failures so we could all move forward. So that's the point of this. That's the point of Killer B. That's the point of everything I've ever done. And that's what I just want to continue. So this is episode one of The Hive. Episode two... Uh, hopefully I'll have my co-host with me and uh, we'll continue down this journey, continue talking about all the things that I've been touching upon, introducing you to the different figures in the community and some of the people that interact with our community, um, the other businesses that help support a lot of the athletes and uh, keep moving forward from there. So short intro to who we are and what we do, a little bit of insight to who I am, where I'm coming from, where I'm at, those kinds of things. So let me know. Tell me how you tell me what you think about this. Um, drop me an email. Leave a comment. Give me a message. Anything you want to talk about, any questions that you have, feel free. Reach out. Let me know. This is Brian Wright. This is The Hive. This is just the beginning. I'll see you soon.